Dominus Vobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii secondo Matteo. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. Verbum Dahomini. Take just a moment, please, and make sure your cell phone is turned off. As I've mentioned before, if someone arrived now at Mass, stayed even to the final blessing, they would not fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday. The Gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. It cannot be skipped. But after this Mass, there's still uh, three other Masses. They could attend one of those. Uh, take a look at page 4 of your bulletin, please. Page 4. There at the bottom of page four, you see that tomorrow is the Feast of St. Helen. She was the mother of Constantine, um, the founder of the True Cross, right? Look at page five at the top. Um, it says, Tuesday, August 19th. Today is the Feast of St. John Eudes. Also, today is the anniversary of the fourth apparition of Our Lady of Fatima to the three children. Now, go all the way to the back page, and you see there on, on page 10, you see 1, 2, and 3, that first one, in, number 1, interesting book, Fatima, for today. If you have that book, uh, I've been talking about this now for over a year, many of you have the book. If you have the book at home, maybe this week you could read the chapter on August, the August uh, appearance or apparition of Our Lady. Um, Father um, Apostoli's book came out just a few years ago, and it's a really good one. So let's go back to page 5. It says, Wednesday, uh, August 20th, is the Feast of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, a doctor of the church, a great saint uh, from the south of France. Um, he was from uh, Dijon. Dijon is just nearby Lyon. We would say in English, Lyons. Uh, but he was near the, southern, the, the, town, the city in southern France, Lyon, which is Dijon. 
Uh, Thursday, August 21st, is the feast of Pope St. Pius V. Sorry, Pope St. Pius X. That's the man on the cover of the bulletin. Uh, the picture on the cover is just a couple of years before he was um, uh, uh, chosen to be successor of St. Peter. Look on page 5. It says, uh, Friday is the Queenship of Mary. Last Friday, it was the Feast of the Assumption. Mary, uh, Like the fourth glorious mystery, the Assumption, the fifth glorious mystery is the coronation or the crowning of Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. So you can see the connection. And now look on Saturday. Today is the feast of St. Rose of Lima. St. Rose was the first woman to be canonized from the Americas. Yes, from the Americas. All right, look on page 7. These are some of the dates that I mentioned last week in my homily. So if you weren't able to follow it, uh, I wrote it out for you. Uh, natural family planning classes are coming up this Friday, so I recommend those for couples who have just been married. Um, look on page nine. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't seen this or read this, maybe sometime you could read it, because uh, I made the I made an announcement every Sunday for four Sundays. So I'm not going to make the same announcement again. Um, look on page ten. Page ten. Um, Look at that. It says, Books for College Students by Dr. J. Budzisuski. Um, he teaches at University of Texas at Austin. Um, he's a great professor. When he was hired as a professor, he was an atheist. Imagine that, a college hiring an atheist. Yeah, they've been hiring atheists for a long time. doesn't mean all of them are atheists. But he was an atheist. He became a Christian, and then he became a Catholic Christian about 10 years ago. He has been asked every question you could imagine, and so um, he's a good teacher. So there are some of the books, uh, How to Stay Christian in College, Ask Me Anything, Ask Me Anything, number two, um, the other books as well. Now, in that paragraph there on page 10 at the top, I say, parents, parents should consider reading these books first, then give them to your children as you see fit. Don't even try it. Well... I recommended they read this book or that book, and then they brought this to me. How could you, how could you let them read this book? Uh-uh, I'm not on the hook. You parents, if you're going to give them to your children, you better read them. Uh-uh, I'm not responsible. These are good books. These are good, solid books. But if, there's, if, you're, if you're, your son or daughter is going to be offended by something, it's because you didn't, you didn't read it first. So there you go. And even if I have read them, I'm not going to make the decision for you. That's your decision as a parent. What you accept or reject, that's your business. But these are some good books uh, that I've mentioned over the uh, the last four weeks, and I don't want them, especially those for college students. Uh, you see number two, it says, Ask Me Anything, Ask Me Anything, number two. Each chapter there is a stand-alone chapter. In other words, uh, if you're, say your son or your daughter uh, comes home from college and they ask you about this or they ask you about that, you can say, you know, um, turn to chapter 7 in that first book and you read it again. It's only about five pages. You read it again and we'll talk about it. This, You know, your children, uh, children reach a certain age where they would be more likely to believe a perfect stranger at Walmart than believe you. Well, who told you that? Well, that per stranger at Walmart? Oh, okay. I'm your father, I'm your mother, you don't believe me. <laughs> oh, well, 
That's why parents pull out their hair. Anyway, the, uh, okay, now for the hum. Oh, I got to say, we had the Holy Day on Friday, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we had the Mass on Thursday night and then three on Friday. I got to say, the, uh, the Masses were very well attended. Good for you. I'm impressed. I really am. The 11 o'clock mass on the 15th, it wasn't, it was the lightest mass, but all the others were very well attended. That's great to see. Very great to see. Now look at the first reading. The first reading ends, God is saying to the Jews that the, um, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, that with the Jews, they will be able to pray together in the temple god says my house shall be a shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples in the name of the father son of the holy spirit yes saint paul says that in the second reading today that he's the apostle to the gentiles the gentiles are pagans anybody who's not a jew is called a pagan or a gentile by the jews so the, uh, the woman in today's gospel is not a Jew. She's a Canaanite woman. She's a pagan. She's a Gentile. And Jesus points out to her that his, um, his ministry is first to the, the, the Hebrews, the Jews. Um, we'll come back to that in a minute. Now, on the cover of the bulletin here, this week, August 21st, will be the 100th anniversary, the centennial of his death. Um, I was ordained at Pope St. Pius X Church in Dallas 25 years ago. The, um, this pope, um, this pope uh, um, uh, is, known, um, is known for having promoted more regular, more frequent communion. I'll explain. Um, right here, uh, next, you know, next to me here, see the statue on that little table. Um, that Saint John Vianney, he's the one that has his hand out in blessing like this. Uh, August the fourth was the feast of Saint John Vianney. He died August fourth, eighteen fifty-nine, in France. Remember, a few years ago, Pope Benedict had a holy year um, to pray for priests. Um, it was called the Holy Year of the Priest. Pope Benedict. Uh, mentioned him again and again as an example to be held up for uh, priests to follow, for priests to emulate. Um, so he died August 4th, 1859. His feast day is August 4th. He was elected Pope on August 4th, 1903. So interesting. Um, Around the corner from St. John Vianney, you see there at the back, you see St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, St. Therese was living in France. Um, she, was living in the, she was living in the north of France. She was 15 when she entered the convent. She was 24 when she died. She died in 1897. So uh, St. Therese is a doctor of the church, St. John Paul II declared her a doctor of the church. When she was in the convent uh, those nine years, um, she, uh, she loved to go to Holy Communion. She loved receiving Holy Communion. She wanted to go to Holy Communion every day, but it wasn't allowed. It, it wasn't allowed to go to Holy Communion every day? That's right. 
Who changed it? He did. This is a, a book on saints, uh, Butler's Lives of the Saints, and he mentions here, in the very first encyclical by this pope, in his very first letter, he announced his aim was to renew all things in Christ. And nothing was better calculated to do that than his decree concerning the sacrament of Holy Communion. Uh, these, uh, these decrees formally recommended daily communion when possible. And he directed that children should be allowed to approach the altar upon uh, attaining the age, the use of reason. So around 35, 35 right? So, um, the, uh, so he's the one who lowered the age for first communion. This pope did 100 years ago. And he's also the one who said that people should uh, uh, be able to receive communion more often. I, I forgot to mention St. Therese. You know, she died in 1897. Um, St. Therese said, okay, I'll, I won't receive communion every day, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to change it. She died in 1897. He was elected in, in 1903. Boy, it didn't take her long to get that changed, <laughs> did it? A, a, a holy, dedicated, strong-willed woman? Look out. So St. Therese, um, St. Therese tossed it up and he hit it out of the park, if you will. Now, we're not used, we're not used to this kind of thing because, um, the, uh, they lowered the age of First Communion and they said you can go more often. Who was the, uh, who was the gatekeeper? Who, who could say yes or no to you going to communion every day? Well, it was the pastor. The pastor would know if somebody was able to go or not to go. In other words, if people were regular in receiving the sacraments, he would say yes. Um, and since he would, uh, he was a pastor of the parish, so that the bishops had that responsibility, and the bishops put it on the shoulders of the pastor. What he did, what he did in um, when he became pope in 1903, a hundred years ago, um, he put it on the shoulders of parents where it belongs, where it belongs. In other words, parents are the ones responsible for getting their children ready for their first communion. Parents are the ones who can help their children understand these things. And it actually has to do with um, what we see in the gospel today. This woman, um, this woman has a very um, sad tale. She says, my daughter is tormented by a demon. Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. Um, her daughter's being tormented. Doesn't mean she's possessed. That means she's tormented by a demon. So uh, um, she goes to Jesus. And look at Jesus' response. What does he say? Not a word. Some people right there would get offended. How dare he? How, how dare he just be silent and this woman is reaching out to him? Well, you notice Jesus didn't get, tell her yes. He also didn't tell her no. Well, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, if, I mean, if you want to actually read the thing, right. He didn't say yes and he didn't say no. The, um, so the woman, the woman has faith. She approaches Jesus with faith. Let's look at the three steps with this woman like shifting from first to second to third gear, right? So the first gear would be her faith. The first step would be her faith. 
The second step would be her perseverance. The apostles, the disciples, remember a couple of Sundays ago when Jesus took the the five loaves and the two fish and he fed thousands? The apostles told Jesus, "Um, tell them to go away and buy food for themselves. The apostles were men, and any time men can't figure out how to solve something, they say, well, you have to go somewhere else. So they tried helping this woman. They couldn't help her. They said, tell her to go away. Um, Jesus doesn't have to tell them, tell her to go away. Um, like the uh, multiplying the loaves and the fishes, Jesus can um, have dominion over this demon uh, afflicting her daughter. Um, so um, uh, the uh, Jesus said nothing to her, and the apostles or the disciples said, send her away. Uh, she keeps calling out after us. So what did Jesus do? He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, only to the Jews, only to the Israelites. And so the woman says, okay. No, that's not what she says. She said, Lord, help me. Do you notice that's two times that she said, Lord? She will call Jesus Lord three times. Um, Each step, each time she changes gears, she calls him Lord, God, right? Lord, help me. Uh, Jesus said in reply, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. That's it. I'm leaving. Uh, you can't call, you can't talk to me that way. Um, on Friday, on Friday I did something I haven't done in a long time. Um, I had a pizza. Uh, I had a pizza. Every one of us, every day, should have at least one big piece of humble pie. I bet you thought I was going to say pizza. The, <laughs> Every one of us should have a big piece of humble pie. And, you know, we should go back for seconds and have some more during the day. This woman, she had faith. She had perseverance. And she had humility. She was humble. And that's why Jesus came to her and helped her and her daughter. Jesus said, um, uh, a woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you wish. And the daughter was healed from that hour. Now, um, the uh, uh, by being able to receive Holy Communion more often and by being able to receive Holy Communion at a younger age, we have to recognize there are many blessings, but there are also problems connected with this. Last week, I picked up this book this is called uh, the Cure de Ars. That's A R S. That's where he was serving, just right there by Lyon in the south of France. The Cure de Ars by Father Francis Trochu, T R O C H U. Now I've read this book again and again throughout my life. Um, so last week I just picked it up and I started reading it. It's kind of like when I pick up the Lord of the Rings. I've read the Lord of the Rings, then I'll just start over again. And when I go back through the Lord of the Rings, I, it's like. I never noticed that. I never noticed that. Was that always there? Of course it was, right? The uh, the same thing in here. I picked up the book and I started reading. And um, uh, he starts off. Uh, these are these are. This is something that happened to Saint John Vianney, um, the Curie of Ars. Um, one morning in 1845, you know, just a couple of years ago, <laughs> 1845. <laughs> the um, Anyway, one morning in 1845, a young lady, so somebody right out of high school, right? A young lady, her name was Etienne, which we would say in English, Stephanie, 
right? One morning in 1845, Stephanie um, took her place with a few cheery girlfriends of hers and in a conveyance bound for ours. In other words, the, she had some girlfriends about the same age, and they all got together. They planned. They all got together. They got into a wagon, you know, drawn by a horse, and they went into, went into town. So they were out in the country, and they were going into town. Now, the, um, um, so this is 1845. There were no cars. You had horses, and you had wagons, right? So um, um, Stephanie got ready, um, and she took her place along with her friends in a conveyance bound for ours. They chatted during the whole trip. So they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of young ladies. So what are they doing? They're talking. Now, what do you think they're going to do when they get into town? They're going to buy stuff. Imagine that. Women going shopping. <laughs> it's not a crime, right? Uh, so they were probably talking about what they were going to buy and what they were going to do. Um, so the, they talk the whole time. That's nothing unusual. Um, um, Stephanie, who was a pious girl. Now, this is P-I-O-U-S. This is P-I-U-S. She was a pious girl. In other words, she was a girl of faith. Uh, Stephanie was a pious girl, um, and when they got to town, she went straight to church. The, um, the um, you know, all your children go straight to church, and you know what happens? You know, every day your children go straight to church, and you know what happens next? You wake up. You're you are dreaming. <laughs> anyway, so um, um, she went straight to church, and Saint John Vianney was just starting Mass, so she stayed for Mass. At the moment for Holy Communion, Stephanie went up and she knelt at the altar rail. The, the St. John Vianney gave communion to those who knelt there, but when he came to Stephanie, he took the host and he raised it above the ciborium. Now, today, when somebody's going to receive communion, the priest raises the sacred host and he says, Body of Christ, or he says in Latin, Corpus Christi. Then he gives the person Holy Communion. Before 1970, um, in my lifetime, in other words, before 1970, the priest would raise the host and he would make the sign of the cross with the host. He would bless the person by making the sign of the cross. He would be giving them benediction. And then he would say, he would say, uh, he would, the, the words would be much longer, um, through the, through the, 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 I forget what the words actually mean in English because it's been so long, but it would be a long blessing. Um, and he would say, Corpus, Corpus Domini Nostri, Jesu Christi, our, 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 may our Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And then he would say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's it. Uh, and then he would give the, the person communion. Everyone liked it. That's why we got rid of it. Uh, I, anyway, I'm sure we got rid of it because it was taking more time. So... Um, he, uh, he gave communion to the people around Stephanie. But when he came to Stephanie, uh, he started the formula, Corpus Christi, no, Corpus Domini Nostri, and then he stopped. He just stopped in front of Stephanie. And it says here that Stephanie suffered indescribable anguish. It's like, you're not going to give me communion? She wasn't from his parish, so he didn't know her. I also forgot to tell you, uh, St. John Vianney had the ability to read souls. You know, like Superman could, uh, could look through walls um, and he would see a robber out there, right? Um, 
uh, St. John Vianney could, would hear confessions and he could read souls. St. Padre Pio, who died in 1968, could do that too. Uh, now, a lot of people would say, ooh, I wouldn't want to go to him. Uh, he could read souls. On Friday, a friend of mine, she's a senior citizen, she called me for months and months now. She's been having problems where she'd get up in the middle of the night, she'd have to walk around for a while, then she could go back to bed and she could fall asleep again. She was having problems with her legs. She went to her doctor, her regular doctor, and the doctor said, oh, no, everything's fine. It's just old age, da, 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 da. And then he said, he said what uh, a lot of doctors do. He said, I'm going to send you for therapy, which means get lost, right? And a, for a lot of doctors, that's what therapy means. Oh, I'm going to send you to therapy. So what did she do? She opened the phone book. She called a perfect stranger doctor at Baylor in Dallas, a, a woman. She did an MRI, and she, they found cancer. Now, aren't you glad that the doctor, you know, can do those things? It's like when your car is acting up, you go and he plugs it into the computer. He doesn't look into a crystal ball. He, he plugs it into the computer and they find out what's wrong. So when you come to confession, I, uh, the priest I go to confession, Father Marcus in commerce, uh, I told him all about my life. And, and in confession, I want him to, to point things out. So anyway, word about St. John Vianney got around. He could read souls. So he's standing there in front of Stephanie. He's standing there in front of Stephanie and just silent, just silent. Um, the um, uh, the St. John wished to give her a lesson for the rest of her life. Not knowing what to do, Stephanie mentally made an act of faith, an act of hope, an act of love. So these are prayers that we memorize when we're little kids, right? Um, Parents, we, uh, we help children by teaching them prayers. Yeah, the children memorize prayers. There are a lot of people who say, I don't want, to, I don't want my kids to memorize prayers. So you mean your kids don't know the Our Father? Well, yeah, they know the Our Father. You know how they know it? They memorized it, right? So um, we, 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 we teach kids when they're small. We help them memorize their prayers. And as they get older... They start to understand the prayers like a, a flower that blooms. It opens up. Um, the prayer opens up. Um, you know, in my life, in my life, I have said prayers, but I wasn't paying attention. Okay, let me get this. I say a prayer, and I'm not paying attention, but I want him to pay attention. Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> uh, hopefully, I, I don't do that anymore. But, it, it, but any, anybody could do that. That's where parents have to really work, their, work with their kids. Not only do they have to learn their prayers, they have to change gears to where their prayer actually is talking to God. Um, remember the old movie with Groucho Marx? Uh, his brother, Chico, comes in, and he says, he's got a letter. He says, a letter for you. And Groucho takes the letter. He said, well, the letter's open. He said, did you read my letter? He said, yeah. And he said, don't worry. I didn't listen. <laughs> so think about it. If, if I say a prayer to him and I'm not listening, I want him to listen. So here's Stephanie. Here's Stephanie in 1845, and she is, she's praying an act of faith. Oh, my God, I firmly believe that you are one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are, this is a prayer I learned when I was in first or second grade. Uh, then she goes on to the act of hope, an act of love. 
And you know what happens after she did that? She, she didn't say it out loud. She said it mentally. After she said that um, uh, mentally, and here he is standing in front of her waiting, right? When she had ended, the priest placed the sacred host on her tongue and passed on. So he gave her Holy Communion. Later on, he saw her outside, uh, and he said to her, My child, a person who has not said her morning prayers, a person who has been frivolous the whole time of the journey, is not very well prepared for Holy Communion. So in other words, he read her soul. He knew that. Now, Stephanie got up early. You know why Stephanie got up early? To do her hair to get ready for her clothes, you know, her clothes ready, so that when she got on that wagon, she was dressed for her friends. So she was getting ready for her friends. And on the way in, they were talking. They were talking about shopping and buying this and buying that, which was getting ready for her friends some more. The one she was not ready for was Jesus and Holy Communion. Now, how many people, after hearing that, would just say, I'm never going back to that church, that that, that pastor, that terrible thing, he, he helped her out. Parents, when he lowered the age for First Communion and said we could go every day now, he took, the, he, put, he took the burden off of pastors and he put it on your shoulders, right where it belongs, right where it belongs. It's like the Assumption, the Feast of the Assumption was Friday. Ask your kids, ask your grandkids. Oh, the Feast of the Assumption... Uh, what was that about? And they'll say, well, it was a day that Mary was assumed into heaven. Well, what's that about? How'd she do that? I don't know. Boy, that was that was quick, wasn't it? So they don't understand these things, so parents have to help them understand um, their faith, like the assumption, to understand their prayers. Um, parents have to continually help the children go from step one, faith, to step two, perseverance, to step three, humility. Because like the apostles, when it doesn't, we try, we try one, one time, nope, that's it, that's it. forget it, I'm, I'm just going to leave, I'm not going to do this anymore. No, we, we can see that if that woman who was a pagan can get it, Jesus tells me that I can get it, you can get it. I'm not Jewish, you're not Jewish, our ancestors were not Jewish. This woman is not Jewish. And Jesus sees her faith, and while he's silent, Jesus is praying that her faith grows. St. John was standing before Stephanie in silence. But you know what he was doing? He was praying. He was saying, Stephanie, you know the prayer, an act of faith? Go ahead and say it. Stephanie, you know an act of hope? Go ahead and say it. Stephanie, an act of love? You know how to say it. And she said it. He, he didn't say a word. He could read her soul, but he read her soul to help her. Parents, that's what your job is to do. And you have to, you have to slow your kids down enough to help them understand these things. It's beautiful. It's beautiful that he saw the need to renew things in Christ. Um, uh, why is all this important? Because God wants all of us to be joined in prayer with his chosen people, with the Israelites, with the Jews, he wants us to join them in prayer. Uh, as God says in the first reading, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit.